our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you ever had that experience where you're working on a really important document or a critical email, and you're working on it, and you got a deadline to meet, and there's lots of pressure, and you just, just got to get this thing done and cranked out, and you're working so hard, and then this pops up on your screen. It's the blue screen straight from hell. And you're like, oh my God, now of all times, you've got to pop up right now. Or if you're a Mac user, you get the spinning wheel of death. <laughs> and you have no hope. Your only hope is this. If you're a PC user, you know what to do, right? Control, Alt, Delete. And you hope and pray. If you're a Mac user, you push that power button, it's going to turn off and then turn back on. And all you do is pray. Pray the document is saved. Pray you don't have to rewrite the entire paper. Pray, pray, pray. And sometimes it works. Sometimes you get a blank screen. You ever been there? Save often, pray often. Save often, pray often. There you go. That's what you got to do. You ever need a reboot in life? You ever wish you could just be going along in life and go, you know what, I need the control alt delete button in my life. I just need to reboot and start over. You have days like that? You hit like 1 o'clock in the afternoon, you're like, you know what, I'm going to go back to bed and redo the day, but this time better. You have whole sections of life like that. You ever want to do that? Control alt delete. The Bible talks about a control-alt-delete. It uses a different word. It uses an older word. But the word is repent. Paul puts it this way in Romans, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 3. He, Peter says to the, uh, the, the people gathered around him at the uh, temple courtyard area. He says, repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. It's beautiful, huh? Times of refreshing. Who doesn't want that? Repent. It's a control alt delete for our lives. Something is wrong. Something's wrong internally. The, the, the system's just not working right. You've got to hit control alt delete, start it all over again. Something's not right internally. You call that spiritually. And God says, you know what? You can hit control alt delete, you can start over. You're doing something. You're stuck in a certain pattern of thinking. You have a critical heart and edge to your speaking, whatever it might be. And in this series, we'll be looking at some of the ways that we often get stuck. We're going to be talking about how to get a fresh start. But tonight, we're going to start big. We're going to start at the core root of it all. And that is righteousness. Because here's the problem. It's fundamental, it's core, it's, it's at the center. We're not as good as we're called to be. We're not as good as we'd like to be. And it's even worse, we're not even as good as we think we are. We all have what's called self-confirmation bias. It works like this. You interpret your actions and your gifts and abilities much better 
than what they really are. We just do. I remember I was in high school. And in high school, I, I was actually a pretty good student. You, you, some of you find that hard to believe, but I really was. I studied. And um, we had this kid in our class. His name was Brent. I forget his last name. And Brent, uh, he came in. It's not often when a kid comes in in the first, year, first day of school and he's known as the valedictorian. But Brent was that kid because he, in eighth grade, he did a science project. And you know your science project in eighth grade. It was the volcano, right? That's what everyone does for their eighth grade science project. Brent, in eighth grade, did a blood test and pricked his own fingers over 70 times to get blood samples for his science paper in eighth grade. The kid was intense. So first day of freshman year, we called him the valedictorian. And sure enough, senior year, he was. The salutatorian was my twin brother. So by extension, I was salutatorian too. <laughs> it's here. So I did okay in high school. And I got to college thinking, you know, I can handle this. I'm in Greek class. First day of class, we do the Greek alphabet. The entire alphabet in 10 minutes. And move on to the next topic. The kid next to me is rattling off the Greek alphabet. He's got it down in his head. We do the next section. He's perfect every single time. I can't even keep up with the class. I don't even know what the professor's saying because, you know, it's in Greek. <laughs> and I remember going back to my dorm room, calling my mommy, and saying, Mom, I can't do this. I'm not nearly as smart as I thought I was. Confirmation bias. There's a study by a guy named Thomas Gilovich, and uh, he discovers this. He says uh, that 100% uh, of high school students, they did a survey of a bunch of high school kids, and they asked them, Are you uh, bad, below average, average, above average, or exceptional at getting along with others? How do you rate yourself? And 100% of them rated themselves as above average when it came to getting along with others. They were all above average, but it gets better. 60% of them said they were the top 10% of those able to get along with others. Full 25% of the kids said they were the best at getting along with others, better than anyone else, 25% of these high school students. Self-confirmation bias. It works with life, it works with evaluations, it works with grades. When you get a good grade in class, man, because you worked hard, and you studied hard, and you deserved it, right? When you get a bad grade in class, it's the teacher's fault. Self-confirmation bias. So here's a question I want us to think about. How can we get a straight report? How can we get an accurate evaluation of our own righteousness. How can you know about your own goodness? Are you good enough? Do you measure up? It's a challenge because of this. A lot of times we think we're getting B, B plus, a good day, maybe an A minus, right? Apostle Paul says this, we've got an F. 
like this projector that I keep pushing a button on, it's not working, it is failing. Could you forward the slide there, Phil? Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter 7. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. And he continues. <laughs> Paul gives us the straight skinny on his righteousness. I know that nothing good lives within me. In the righteousness grade point scale, he's got a 0.0 GPA. There's nothing good. Those are hard words to swallow. There's nothing good within me. Because deep down, we think he's wrong. Deep down, we don't believe that. We say, well, I mean, nothing good? It's going to look far, isn't it? Nothing? It's not. See, first of all, we have confirmation bias. We frame our own actions in the most positive of light. The second trouble is this. That even the good within us is smothered with our own sinful nature. Have you ever done something really nice for someone? Something nice. Think about something you've done, something really nice for someone. If you're trying to think back, it's kind of hard for you. You're, you're way ahead of the curve. That's good for you. But if you're going, yeah, okay, I know something nice I've done for someone. It's good. It's good. How long did it take you to tell someone else about it? Just to slip it into a conversation, you know? Oh, yeah, I got her that Starbucks. I knew she was having a bad day. <laughs> They put it this way. How about this one? Have you ever tried to do something totally and completely good? Maybe you gave a generous gift to someone anonymously, right? You're like, I'm going to give someone super, someone super nice, and I'm going to be anonymous about it. Let's go big here. Let's say you gave someone a car. Not a brand new car, but you had a used car, and it wasn't in the best of shape, but you're like, you know what, this person needs a car, and if I trade it in, they're only gonna give me pennies on a dollar anyway, so I'm just gonna give this person a working car. It's a generous gift, right? Let's say you did that. Let's say you did it anonymously. Just put it in our driveway, let the keys in. That'd be something good, right? Pretty nice, right? Let's say someone else took credit for it. But they started telling people, oh yeah, I gave, I gave her the car. That, that was me. On a scale of 1 to 10, how mad are you? <laughs> Have you hit 11? So here's my question. Why? Why? You did something very kind and very generous. And your goal was to be completely anonymous. And sure enough, you are. Because someone else is taking credit for it. Why do we get mad? Well, we get mad because what they're doing is, is wrong, right? It's wrong to do something like that. We get mad for that reason. But deep down, 
even the good stuff we do, it's just wrapped in our selfish pride. We can't escape it. We can't escape it. So when Paul says there's nothing good in me, this is what he's talking about. Imagine you've been nominated to be in a rock throwing contest. Kind of like Hunger Games, but with throwing rocks. And you're in the contest. And they tell you, the goal is you have to throw this rock farther than anybody else. That's the goal. And so you start practicing. So you get some rocks, you start throwing rocks. Maybe trying different styles, throw a little sidearm, maybe do a little overhand. And you start thinking, well, I don't know what size of rock. They never said. So you use different, different size rocks. Maybe a, a bigger rock, maybe a big boulder, start doing the shot put method right. Just Because you've got to throw this rock farther than anybody else to win. And you get to the, the contest. And they say, okay, this is where we're going to hold the contest at. <laughs> now you've got to throw the rock farther than anybody else and make it to the other side. That's what it's like. Righteousness. To be righteous is to be spiritually pure, completely good, absolutely perfect. And that's why Paul says, there is nothing good within me. Because I fall far short. So Paul puts it this way and he concludes Romans. He says this, He says this. <laughs> he says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God, who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's it. People try to work their way around it. They try to do different things, different ways to, to deal with unrighteousness. Some try to plan try to plan their way around it. If I could just work harder, if I could just be, be a better person, I can do this. There was one man who tried this. You might have heard of him. His name is Benjamin Franklin. Phil's going to put the picture up right now because this thing is done. <laughs> <laughs> and Benjamin Franklin, one of the greatest men who's ever lived, this guy was a scientific genius. He discovers electricity. Pretty good, right? He was a political genius as well. He was honored in England, and we rebelled against England, and they still liked him. He writes Poor Richard's Almanac. This guy was great, and he made a plan. He was going to work on his virtues. He was going to take one virtue a week, and he was going to work on that virtue once every week, and then a different week he'd pick a different virtue. So he got good enough that he was a righteous and virtuous man. And at the end of it all, he says this. I was surprised to find myself so much fuller of faults than I had imagined. On the whole, I never arrived at the perfection I had been so ambitious of obtaining, but fell far short of it. That's Benjamin Franklin. He couldn't plan his way around righteousness. He couldn't plan his way to it. And some others, they try the protest method. They'll say, you know what? I'm not that bad. Come on. I'm really not that bad. Hit the next slide there. Maybe I got my coworker, and, and she's, you know, she's nice, but not as nice as me. 
But oh, then there's Mother Teresa, and I don't quite measure up there. Or as we say here, there's Mother Beth. You know what? Mother Beth's got dirt on her forehead. Because we all fall short. There's only one way that works, and that's a person. Don't look for someone who's better than you. Look to the one who's better than all. Paul put it this way. In 2 Corinthians 5, he said, God made Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus Christ is not an answer. He is the answer. He's the answer. It's his grace for our unforgiveness. It's his peace for our worry. It's his heart for our brokenness. It's his righteousness for our sin. Is it time to hit Control-Alt-Delete? Is it time to escape the spinning wheel of death? My friends, repent. Repent and receive Jesus. Receive his righteousness in exchange for your sin. It's a Control-Alt-Delete for our lives. It's his gift because he loves you. Amen. Amen. May the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding, may guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord for life everlasting. Amen.